Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, we're back, and we're going right to the phones. And Mr. Nate Zielinski, you should be proud of me. We have a new phone system, and I haven't hung up on anybody yet. Oh, that's, that's perfect. I should be the first guy. Yeah, well, it depends on what you say. You know, like it might not be an it might not be an accident. Hey, you missed my little ice fishing story. I was telling the guys at at uh, Stagecoach Reservoir. I ran up to Dowdy yesterday, and I did everything that I tell everybody not to do. I took a bunch of my gear that I hadn't even gone through since last year. Didn't take didn't take my shelter. Just threw a, a tackle box and a light sled and a hand auger in my truck and drove up to Red Feathers. Figured, you know, I can go up there and catch a few trout, just get the bug out of my system and all that. What was nice when I left home, it was warm up there, but there was about 40 to 50 mile an hour winds. So not only did myself and other people have to chase my sled across the lake two or three times, they got to see me bouncing across the ice as the wind blew me around the lake. One time walking back with the sled, empty sled behind me, the wind was so strong, the sled was trailing in the air at shoulder level. <laughs> I believe that. I was on the ice yesterday, and uh, I, I wouldn't say I had these flying sleds, but uh, I, I bent a lot of ice anchors. Everything had to be tied down, and uh, it was an interesting day on the ice, that is for sure. Well, if I would have done things right, planned properly, approached it right, some People I know, some ice fishermen that I know from other activities were up there. They had heavier sleds. They had different chairs. They didn't catch a lot of fish either, but at least they weren't blowing across the lake. So <laughs> it, was not, it was not my proudest moment, Mr. Zelinsky. <laughs> I believe it. We've all been there. Yeah, I had wind, and luckily we, uh, we, had the, we had the shelters tied down. We had lots and lots of tie-downs and ice anchors and uh, Everything that wasn't screwed on the ice would have blown away, but we had everything screwed down. But it definitely makes for uh, for an interesting day. And that's actually what I wanted to kind of talk about. I want to do an ice update here real quick, and then I actually want to talk about kind of more tournament tactics and really fishing in uh, in tougher situations per se. But first thing we want to talk about is that wind, because I think a lot of anglers, you know, especially in the mountain lakes, are hitting the ice now, and I think that a lot of us get very very comfortable. You know, we we get on the ice. For, uh, for the first time, and, you know, we, we do well. Then we go the next weekend, and we get very comfortable that the ice is safe, and we always just start trudging out after we've been out there a couple times. And in a lot of situations, again, you really have to be, be cautious. And I was at a situation yesterday where I had eight inches of ice in the lake I was fishing. Everything was good, but we had winds, you know, gusts probably up to 60, 70 miles an hour, you know, sustained wind of those 30s to 40s. It was flat-out cranking, and you don't realize it, but on, on a big body of water, the wind doesn't have as much of an effect, but on smaller bodies of water, that wind puts so much pressure down on the ice. You know, you'll drill a hole, and you'll look at the water, and you'll see that ice moving up and down. You'll see that fluctuation, and, you know, in a, in a heavy wind, you can see that ice getting moved up and down in, in even two inches and you know generally speaking we consider the ice cap kind of pressurizing the system so you you obviously have you know water below you have a cap above it as you get that downward pressure getting pushed onto it, it it really is hard and a lot of times that pressure pushes so hard that water has to be relieved somewhere so all of a sudden you get this pressure getting pushed down from the middle 
and it basically pushes that that you know an underwater pressure system towards the shore. And a lot of times you're going to get the shorelines breaking up because simply that's a a pressure release point as that water's getting forced downwards so hard, and your shores can break up. And a lot of times, like yesterday, we had a lot of shoreline, especially on the the wind driven side of the lake. Shores were were kind of breaking up, so you'd have you know six seven inch thick chunks of ice that are kind of broken. Um, it's not a big deal. You can still exit the ice on, on other areas of the lake, but then that'll freeze the night before so or the, the, the next night. So all of a sudden, the next morning, you walk out there, and sometimes you can be on kind of some funky ice just for that first 10 or 15 feet of the shoreline. So really, especially following a real windy day, use caution on shorelines. Use caution on expansion cracks because, again, you know, when you have 60, 70 miles an hour winds, your ice thickness is good, but a lot of times certain areas of the lake might might have broken up a little bit. And it might take another you know a couple of days to really freeze back up solid and lock everything up. So following heavy winds like we had the last couple of days, uh, use a lot of caution, especially again shorelines and expansion cracks as, as you venture out there the next couple of days. No, I couldn't agree more. And safety is always you know I always we have a saying on the show that there's no such thing as safe ice, but if you use common sense, ice fishing is incredibly safe. In fact, it's one of the safest winter activities if you compare it to everything else. I want to make, I know you're going to get on with conditions and I want to make a comment. I was looking out at the weather and we've had some extremely warm and windy weather in the front range but every night I, I, I drive by the ponds in the morning and things and there's ice and this water is ready to freeze right around Christmas we're supposed to drop into the 30s and stay as a high in the 30s and low in the 20s and teens for a couple weeks. If that happens, we're going to see small bodies of water fishable just a couple days after Christmas, and the bigger ones probably by right around New Year's. Now, you, that isn't saying it will happen, but boy, it looks like it's setting up for that, Nate. I'll tell you, as a tournament director, obviously, we literally... We, we barely sleep at night. We're, we're so on top of watching that ice, studying the ice, watching the weather forecast. You know, we've been talking to every, every weather station, you know, meteorologists and everybody just trying to, trying to figure out what's going on. And I'll tell you that the 15-day forecast for the front range looks great. And the nice thing is a lot of these weather stations and really where the predictions are coming from are right around town. So, you know, when you see a, a daytime high of 30 and it says a low of, of 10, um, a lot of times in these basins, around the water, around that moisture, you know, we might lose another six to eight degrees. So we're going to be even seeing some single digits here in the next 15 days. So, so we're excited. Obviously, you know, a lot of people, are, our phones ring nonstop. Our first ice addiction event is January 5th at Boyd, um, you know, which we're right now. I mean, we're right there. We're 15 days away from that. Um, and the forecast is looking good. Again, our, our ice conditions are, are not great now, but in 15 days at the right temperatures, we can really build a lot of ice. So, uh, you know, we're watching it every day. We're going to do another major check. Uh, like you said, coming right after Christmas. So, you know, next week on, on Wednesday, Thursday, we're really going to see where we're at, where these conditions are. Lost you for a minute there, Nate. Uh, what's going to be with that? No, I, I agree completely, and I'm pretty confident because the water temperatures in these lakes is already in the high 30s. It's not like 50-degree water. It's even the low 30s in some because when water hits 40 degrees, it sinks. So the whole lake now is is colder than 40 degrees. 40 degrees are colder. We've got that 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 lighter water that happens after below 40 degrees forming at the top. This These things will freeze up in— and overnight in some of the small bodies of water where they'll actually be fishable. And we have such a pent-up demand to get out there right now, Nate. 
Oh, there's no doubt about it. We're excited. So, yeah, so just uh, kind of stay tuned. Everybody can watch the Thailand Facebook page. We'll be releasing videos and updates, at least on the, the bodies of water. We're really anticipating the freeze, and we'll kind of go with that. And to, to switch turns, you know, I wanted to talk real quick because, again, uh, you know, especially as a tournament director, we get a lot of questions, people asking about, you know, what they think that we're going to see win some of these tournaments. And, you know, you, you get all these kind of uh, advice, and you just hear buzz in the industry about, about tournaments. And obviously I think today there's, you know, there's probably more tournaments in Colorado than there's ever been. You guys just talked about the stagecoach tournament. And that was a really good one. We've actually held an ice addiction tournament there. And, you know, it's great to kind of talk about that, but I want to talk real quick about fishing in general and especially swinging that to, to say tournament tactics to, to fish tournaments. And, you know, when I watch a field, whether I'm fishing in a tournament or hosting our own tournament, you know, you see guys going out on the ice and you watch what people are generally doing to, to approach tournaments. And you have a lot of people that are out there to catch fish. Their goal, hey, we're going to go out and catch fish. Hopefully it's big enough to, to you know get us in place to win a prize. And you have other people out there that are 100% you know, they're going for gold or they're coming home busted. And you see these guys out there that are really limiting what they're going to catch, hoping that they're going to find the biggest fish that lives in the sea. And there's a lot to be said with both of them. I mean, a lot of times you can hopefully get lucky and find a giant fish. And there's a lot of times where just catching fish will do well. Now, I can tell you, Terry, from my experience as a tournament angler, let's just say open water. You know, when I was fishing the walleye tournaments, the angler that consistently brought home five fish in the well. So every day that you fished a tournament, if you had five fish to weigh, you might not win every tournament, but you've got a really good chance of winning angler of the year. You're going to go to the championships because consistency in a long-term tournament program will almost always do better than getting lucky with a few big fish. Now, obviously, sometimes that, that single big fish will win you a, a prize that day and maybe take you home a win that day. But again, consistently catching fish usually does better. So when I look at anglers and they're going on the ice, and let's say you're fishing my, my tournament at Grand Lake, you know, you could go out with small jigs and try to catch a pile of those young lake trout and those nice rainbows. And in most cases, a lot of times that can win. Or you can go out there with a, a 7- or 10-inch tube jig or a whole 10-inch sucker, you know, and you're like, hey, I'm looking for a 20-pound laker, and that's it. If you do get that bite and you connect with that fish, there's no doubt you're probably going to win. But how often will that happen? I kind of try to look at those odds. And I, I really break it down again, no matter what tournament you're fishing, I always ask anglers. So when they're going out there with this big bait, and, you know, again, it could be a, a catfish or Boyd, or they're looking for the biggest fish, I ask them, hey, how many times do you go out with this rig and catch that fish? Some of them say, oh, every so often. Some say, oh, I've never caught one before in my life like that. We're just hoping to get lucky. So I always say in any tournament, always go out hoping to create the success that you would normally have on a day of fishing. If you can go out on a consistent basis and use this technique and catch fish with that technique, that's the technique you want to take into a tournament. If you're using a technique that has never been proven, it's never caught a big fish or, or a fish in general, 
that's not necessarily something you want to take into a tournament. Well, I can tell you from my own experience, having fished both bass and walleye tournaments at the highest level, and then covering the PWT for in fishermen for years and writing for them, for the Walleye Insider, I've been at a lot of tournaments. I've been on the water with some of the very best fishermen in the world. I've fished against them, and I've shared the boat with them. And these are guys that, you know, names like Parsons and Cavias and, you know, people names that everybody's heard. And I can tell you I've been on the water with these guys when they zeroed on bodies of water that are supposed to be the best fisheries in the world, using techniques that they were supposed to be some of the best at doing. And the reason for that is that no one always catches fish. And you've got to set your expectations. You know, I hear you hear people on shore, well, if I had been in the tournament, I'd have won it. Well, you weren't in the tournament. You weren't fishing (laughs) under the restrictions of the tournament as to when you can fish and where you can fish. And so set your expectations that it doesn't necessarily, like you said, take that 20-pound fish to win. I had one year of fishing tournaments where I I didn't get to do a lot of pre-fishing. And I fished tournaments, and I did fairly poorly the first day. I won more checks for comeback than I did place money otherwise. And because I stayed with my plan, I found a limit of fish and got myself back in the game. And it wasn't necessarily a giant limit of fish. That's it. I mean, if you look at just ice edition, just because I know those stats. So our tournament, where it's a one-day event, you know, four hours on the water. I think right now our average, if you average the, you know, 25 events we've had, uh, or 20 events that we've had, we probably average right around a three-pound fish to take home that prize of, I mean, of cash, ATV. This year it's a $5,000 cash prize. I mean, we've paid out for, for small fish, such as like a 1.6-pound fish taking home massive prize. So, again, in our style event, not saying guaranteed, but going out and just catching fish, continuously just catching fish and putting fish on the ice, generally speaking, will pay out better than uh, trying to hit that home run. You know, again, just, just catching those fish does well. But we want to talk about that because, again, whether it's our tournaments or the Three Lakes events or, you know, stage coach event, there's a ton of tournaments. And, again, I think so many of us can get because we're getting the biggest fish possible. When in reality, just going out and catching fish more than likely will we'll catch more fish uh, than anything else you can do uh, when you when you come into these tournament-type situations. So, again, just being out there, catch fish, uh, that's going to catch you more fish at the end of the day than anything else you can do, that's for sure. Nate, we are over time, but real quick, Friday when we're doing our advanced seminars, what's your, what's your topic at ISE? On which day? Friday. Are you throwing me on? All right, on, I'll on, get it from Karen. Phone, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. Have a Merry Christmas. You spend time with those kiddos. Absolutely love doing. Merry Christmas to everybody else, guys. And, uh, yeah, we'll see everybody soon. All right. Thanks, Nate. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Baby, it's cold outside. I've got to go Baby, it's cold outside. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are going right to the phones. And joining us is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. How's it going? It's going great. And a couple quick things I want to talk about, because I know you're going to uh, give us a little bit of a fishing and then a waterfall update, really, is what I'm looking for. But I mentioned at ISE we're doing a few different things at different days at the tank and at the uh, experts' corner. Uh, so what are you doing on Sunday during the family day? Sunday I'm doing a seminar called Let's Get Started, and it's uh, 
basically a seminar based on for kids or anyone who's new to fishing and wants to, you know, learn the basics. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, some different presentations you can use to go out and uh, catch fish on your own. We'll have some giveaways. I think we're still probably going to have some fishing rods and some other tackle that will be given away to particularly to the kids. And so we're really gearing this towards families and, and just giving you the basic information so that you can go out and start enjoying the outdoors and enjoying fishing on your own and, and catching a few things. As, uh, as Al Linder said, we all, we all got started fishing and got the love of it because we had something tugging on the other end of the line. Oh, you're absolutely right. And that's Sunday. And you're also giving an experts uh, program on, on Friday. We'll get into that later when we have more time. But uh, let's start with, uh, Nate kind of took us around a little bit. I think there's cold weather setting in. And we can look, I would say, when this cold weather sets in after Christmas, I expect that by the end of this coming week, the small waters on the Front Range will have ice on them. And probably by the next week after that, some of the big waters will. Is that what you think? And what are you seeing now? Yeah, I I think that's going to be the case if the weather comes in the way they've been talking. The last few days of the warm weather and wind really ripped any ice that we had off which is, is not a bad thing because some of that ice has gotten really bad. And so ripping it off and starting new, we're going to have a hopefully a really good base to start with. And, and that is that first, you know, four to six inches is really key to having uh, safe, safe conditions to be out fishing for quite a while. So I would say if, if we're going to get the highs in the 30s like they're talking about, you know, some of those ponds, maybe by next weekend will be okay. But I think kind of like Nate said, give it two weeks or, yeah, two weeks and your bigger bodies of water should start having fishable ice. But as we always say, you know, safety first when it comes to ice fishing. Oh, without question. Always use common sense and check the ice when you go. Have you been out ice fishing? Is there any place? Uh, you might have heard my little story about um, what happened to me up at Red Feathers. I was the guy bouncing across the, the lake in 45-mile-an-hour winds. But uh, Well, Terry, you weren't the only one that has done that this year. I went up to Georgetown a little while ago, and uh, I had the same experience. The, the person I was out fishing with and my sled both went about the uh, 50 yards across the ice before they stopped. And um, that with slick ice and wind conditions, uh, it uh, it can get a little bit hairy there. Oh, no. You know, Georgetown and Redfeather area where you get a lot of that wind. Yeah, no doubt about it. Have you heard any reports of some decent fishing? You know, I've heard uh, some people were up at John, and John has over 10 inches of ice on most of it, and a lot of nice 14 to 17-inch trout being caught up there. Um, there was a guy I know that was fishing it yesterday and said he did really well, and the, and the bite was good, and they got their limit of those nicer fish. Yeah, I'm hearing so the same thing up at Lake John. Yeah, yeah, you know, Lake John, North Michigan, those areas is probably where I would go if you're up in the north front range area. If you're south, I'd have to the Ontario, Ontario area. Yeah, and there's good fishing going on. So if you want to get out and ice fish, it is available. It's just not right here on the Front Range right now, but it will be soon. But you can get out in the bug. 
The other thing I really want to bring you out, you're kind of our waterfall expert for your experience, both with the calling contest, your own personal hunting. Um, we're, we've got quite a bit of waterfall season left. Where are we at and what do you see coming up? Well, on the northeast region of the Central Flyway, last Saturday was opening day, and we had a decent number of birds around. I'm actually out in the duck blind this morning calling in, and the weather today up north, we've got blue skies and not nearly as cold as they talked about, so the flight's been a little slow, and with all the, the wind and the ice coming off everything, the birds are spread out a little bit more, but we are still getting some birds I think this cold front that's coming in is going to be a real blessing. Uh, talk to some buddies in Montana that are still shooting birds, but I think once uh, once we get the cold weather up there, it's going to push those our last remaining northern birds down. It's going to condense the birds all into the open water areas once it freezes up. So I would say starting next Saturday, the we're going to have fresh ducks. Stuff's going to freeze up. Duck hunting is going to be really good for the rest of the season. It ends the last Sunday in January. And geese, we've got a ton of geese around, but they've been here for a while, so they're a little decoy shy. It's a little bit harder hunting them, but people are still doing good. I think today where we're hunting, I know I saw a few flocks of new birds to this area. So with the front, we probably have some new birds moving in new geese moving in as well. So you're looking at pretty optimistic. You know, I'm hearing, I talked to Austin Parr just the other day about the Upland game, and he thinks that's going to finish strong because we hadn't had the snow on the plains yet and the cold weather to gather those birds. So we're looking at Upland game, So and then the waterfall. It looks like the shotgunners are going to have a month of really good stuff coming up if you're willing to get out. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. And the nice thing about this time of year in the northeast region the state of Colorado has some phenomenal opportunities for the upland hunters with the walk-in access, uh, waterfall hunters along the South Platte River. The state has acquired a lot of land with, that they either own or have leases on. So there's plenty of opportunities to get in some really good hunting. For the duck hunting on those state grounds, I would say try to hunt the fence um, when we get some snow or a little bit of cold weather. If you can hunt that day or the the following couple days, your success is going to be a little bit better than on the warm, you know, bluebird days that uh, they aren't flying as good. On those warm days, though, one thing you can do and, and be real successful with is get in an afternoon hunt. It's not that mad, crazy number of birds like you see in the morning of a hunt, but it can be real steady. And the birds that fly in the afternoon usually are wanting to decoy. So your success in getting those birds in close is a lot higher. All right, Brad, we are out of time, but great information as always. We will be keeping up with you over the next few weeks leading up to ISE and talking more about waterfall and the ice fishing. All right, thanks a lot, Terry. You bet, Brad Peterson. Always a great resource. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to switch up and talk a little fly fishing right here on Terry Wicksham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going back to the phones. By the way, before we do that, we've been talking about ISE a lot. We should give away a couple more tickets. And if you win tickets on the air, 
over this week and the next few weeks and last week, you go into a drawing for a $375 gear bag that we're going to give away. So there aren't going to be like 100 entries. There's only going to be like 8 or 10 entries. So you've got a darn good chance of maybe, you know, there'll be 15 of winning that gear bag. So you need to pay attention. But the second caller at 303-713-1043 gets two tickets to the ISE show and they get entered into the drawing for the gear bag. Now let's go to the phones. We're going to change things up a little bit. We've been talking a lot of ice fishing, but trust me, there is no reason to put the long rods away in the wintertime as our next guest, um, Chris Steinbeck from Blue Quill Angler, will attest. Isn't that right, Chris? Yes, sir. Definitely not time to put the fly rod back. Well, I'll tell you what. Some of my best fly fishing in Colorado has happened in the dead of winter, even when the conditions are much worse than they are now. That's it. The wintertime fishing could be um, phenomenal to get out on the water and a uh, good time to clear the head. And, yeah, you're right. All winter long, you catch fish and uh, yeah, keep your hands nice and toasty. Now, there's we've had some phenomenal weather, and it probably is going to get a little colder, but we're still going to get a lot of warm days. And sometimes that cold water will bunch those fish up in pools. But you and I talked earlier, and you mentioned low flows. Low flows can be an issue at times, but... Um, but it, it gets more technical because of that. But the same time, the fish aren't pressured as much because a lot of people just don't go out in the winter. That's it. You know, we've been uh, we've been fishing a lot on the Blue River and on the South Platte drainage. And um, what you said was exactly right. You want to target that really slower water, deeper runs. Um, you got to remember that trout's metabolism slows way down in the winter time, and they're not eating they're eating every day. And so they're not going to hang out in the water where they really need to spend that energy. You're going to find far more fish when you start targeting that really slow or deeper water where those fish can just hang out and, like you said, sometimes congregate in that type of water. Now, we've had um, some really warm weather, so we're, we've got a few days before it gets a little cold, so things may change. But because of that, it's been really fishing up and down. A lot of the Front Range rivers have fished everywhere, may end up, as we get a little further into the winter where you may have to concentrate on tailwaters, but that doesn't mean driving across the state, does it? No, no, that's, that's just it. it. You know, especially as we get into the dead of winter here over the next couple months and we really get those big cold fronts snapping through, You, like you said, you target more tailwaters, uh, but there's a lot that are really close within the Denver area that are going to fish all winter long. Where are a few of your favorites? You know, one of mine that, I mean, I spend a lot of time on the South Platte, but in the wintertime, one of my favorite fisheries is up at the Blue River, right in Silverthorne. Um, that water is always cold coming out of Dillon, and uh, there's some beautiful big rainbows up there. And um, right now throwing a lot of smaller midges, a lot of red midges and sizes 20s and 22s and 24s up there. Um, but that's one of my favorites. And then down um, the whole South Platte drainage uh, from – Lower down to Deckers, to Cheeseman Canyon, to 11 Mile Canyon. This time of year could be a little chilly up on the Dream Stream, but that will produce all winter as well. You know, another one that's my favorite that we don't talk about enough, and they've really improved it, and that's the Arkansas coming out of Pueblo Reservoir. It is a great winter fishery. It will, and it stays a little warmer down in Pueblo throughout the winter, too. Um, Not that it stays warm, but... um, Another really good winter fishing place. Oh, it really is. Hey, you're going to be at the ISE show, too. Uh, tell me what you guys are going to have set up there. Yeah, you will be at the ISE. We're there every year. Um, you can see our blue booth, the uh, Blue Quill Angler. 
Um, a lot of times what we do is we just go to meet people, go talk to people. Um, we will have two booths this year. Um, you'll see us right at the casting pond, one of the casting ponds. Um, but one of the booths we're going to have guys at our guys staff like Pat Dorsey and Kerry Carriger, Dennis Steinbeck there. Um, and the other booth that we're just going to have, we're going to have a lot of um, just wintertime gear, summertime gear that we have on sale. Um, really good deals for not just fly fishermen, but all fishermen. No, you're right. A lot of good deals going on there. Always that ISE. Um, you're also um, you're going to be at two shows in a row, I believe. Tell us about the other one. We are. So the weekend before the ISE, we have the fly fishing show here in Denver. Um, that's up at the Merchandise Mart, January fourth, fifth, and sixth. Um, and the same sort of deal. We'll be up there. We'll have a booth there. Um, for those of you who love fly fishing, it's a really great stop on this tour of the show. Um, I think between the Fly Fishing Show and the ISC, there's just two great shows for everybody who loves the outdoors here in Denver. No, you're absolutely right. Hey, I want to pick your brain a little bit before we let you go. Um, Christmas is coming, and a lot of people haven't finished shopping. Some of them are on this side of the studio on the microphone talking. But (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a guy thing sometimes. But a lot of people haven't finished up and the malls are going to be just a mess you got some christmas gift ideas for the fly fishermen of the family maybe they could pick up at blue quill they do come on up to the shop we're open today we're open tomorrow um even on christmas eve um you know one one of the great gifts ideas that we pass on to our customers is just a lot of fishing apparel fishing shirts um coats uh terry you know as well as i do having a good pair of fishing gloves in the fall, the spring, the winter, it can be the difference of having a really good day on the water and being miserable. Um, and so we have a great, great gear from Sims in Patagonia. Um, and for anybody who's kind of thinking about getting interested in fly fishing, come up to the shop too. We also have gift certificates for classes, all of our introductory, uh, introduction classes, excuse me, and uh, guide trips as well. So um, if, if you got a fisherman in your family and you haven't got the gift yet, Swing up to Evergreen. We'll help you out. Yeah, tell them exactly where you're located so they know. Yeah, so we're at 1532 Bergen Parkway. Um, for those of you familiar with Evergreen, that's halfway between the downtown Evergreen and I-70. So the northern part of Evergreen. And um, we're at a teepee-shaped building. It's a historical landmark. It's a really cool fly shop. Um, and we just love seeing everybody come in and meeting people. And, of course, you have a website. We do. It's www.bluequillangler.com. Um, as well as all the social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, We'll be posting winter tips and tactics all winter long. And then moving into spring, it's just um, another great resource to get really good fishing reports and really good fishing ideas in terms of tactics. And the last thing, we got to make it quick, but another great gift this time of the year, because a lot of fishermen don't want to venture out in this weather, but what a great time to start or increase your fly tying. It's it's it. You know, it's a... uh, this time of year, it's a lot of fun to tie flies. Um, definitely our popular time for our fly tying classes. Um, you know, and along those lines, what you're just saying, I mean, there's we have plenty of books that are just great resources for those people trying to dive into a new hobby and expand their fishing horizons. And, of course, all the gear you'd need to tie flies you have available at the shop. Chris, we are out of time, but... As always, my biggest message right now is first, come and see us all at the sports shows. But second to that, don't stay indoors. Colorado's too beautiful. We have too many opportunities, whether you ice fish, fly fish, cross-country ski, or whatever. There's reasons to get out and be successful and really have fun this time of the year, isn't there? Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Stay outside. Enjoy why 
you're here in Colorado. All right. My friend, Merry Christmas to you. Hey, Merry Christmas, Terry. Merry Christmas to everybody, and thank you very much for having me. You bet. That's Chris Steinbeck from Blue Quill Angler. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Did you know, Kyle, that this is the number one song that people sing in the car while they're driving down the road on Christmas trips? <laughs> I didn't know that. You, you, well, you do now, and it isn't even an Eagles song. Imagine that. I don't know if the Eagles ever did a Christmas album. You're listening to Terry Wisham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going right to the phones. And joining us, as he does every couple weeks right here, Ronnie Castiglione. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Terry Wickstrom. How are you doing this morning? You know, I'm doing great. Um, I, it looks like we're going to get some ice fishing, but you've just experienced some open water fishing just a couple days ago. Yeah, Terry, the fishing's been really good this fall, you know, as we get into winter. And absolutely, we were out on horse suit just this last weekend. We were out the weekend before. The weekend before that, we were taking advantage of the open water. And the fishing has absolutely been phenomenal. And uh, I think it's a little bit of a surprise to some people that, you know, middle of December, you can get out in Colorado. And if you can find some open water, uh, you can still get onto those warm water species. We were absolutely blasting the smallmouth. A few little trout showed up as well. We've kind of been seeing some little white bass in the mix, some perch in the mix. But really the star has been the the smallmouth action up at Horseview for the last few weeks. Well, now the boat ramp closed, but I've heard that... You sneak out there with a hand launched even as we get late into the year at times. Yeah, Terry, and, you know, that's that's one of the things I want to bring up. You could definitely hand launch up at Horse Dude. So if you have a kayak, you have a canoe, something like that, a, a belly boat, a pontoon, you are able to launch those vessels still. But, but the other thing I wanted to bring up, Terry, is that, you know, because of where these fish were situated and what kind of structure they're holding on and, and the way we were approaching them, it, you know, it's not impossible to get at these fish from shore, Terry. You, you just kind of got to know what areas of the lakes to look at and how to go about it. Well, why don't you give us a few pointers? Well, you know, I heard Chad earlier on the show, and he mentioned the fact that, you know, it really has come down to the fact that on any given day, if we can locate what depth the bait is at on horse tooth and where that bait is hitting the structure or the banks around the lake, you can pretty much catch smallmouth anywhere on the lake if it kind of falls into the particular parameters that we've been looking for. So on any given day, for example, on horse tooth, we've been seeing the, the clouds of smelt, and it's really been the clouds of smelt that we've been focused on, Terry. The clouds of smelt, the big, long clouds, um, they'll be hitting the bank or they'll be suspended out in the middle of the lake, and on any given day, they're going to be anywhere from maybe 20 at the shallowest and all the way down to 50. On average, we've been seeing those clouds of smelt right in that 40 to 50-foot range. And so the big key, Terry, has been running around the lake and looking for structure that's in the lake that is coming down to that depth, Terry. Now, right now, horse tooth is is lower than people may have seen it. So the lake's been drawn down all year. And, and right now, we're anywhere from maybe 30 to 40 feet from full pool. Um, so, you know, some of the banks are, are real dirt and shallow right now because the water's falling off of them. The banks that we've really been focusing on are the steeper banks on the main basin of the, of the, of the reservoir, Terry. So if you can find a steeper bank, a bank that's, you know, 45 degrees or steeper, then if you look at those banks, you can definitely find smelt that's pushed up to those banks. And the beauty is if you're fishing from shore, Terry, and you're on a bank that's real, real steep like that, say it's a real bluffy bank or it's a bank that's got an 80-degree slope and you're kind of standing there out on the middle of a point or something like that, 
it doesn't take but a cast to make it out to 40 feet deep. So you can absolutely fish those those fish from shore, Terry. Um, now, the way we've been going about catching most of these fish has been blading this time of year. We've been out there ripping blades, uh, ripping them vertically, you know, and only ripping them maybe a foot, maybe two feet off the bottom and letting them fall in semi-slack line. We've also been casting the blades out around when we're kind of searching for the schools of, schools of smallies that are moving around the area. So you can sand cast those baits around and allow them to get down and kind of yo-yo those baits back. So you let them fall and you rip them up and reel up a little bit of that slack and let them fall. You can do that all from the shore, Terry. Uh, now, you definitely want to take more than one blade with you when you're going to do it. And you, you might want to plan on losing a few of them if you're going to go about doing that. But if you really pay attention to what the structure looks like that you're fishing, if you focus on the transitions this time of year as well, Terry, so you can find the corners of the dams, you can find the corners of the points where they spill off the bluffs and, and kind of roll off right there. You know, if, if you kind of pay attention to what you're seeing above the water line and just kind of extrapolate and understand that that continues out focus on those transitions look for some of those steeper banks make those casts out there and allow baits to sink and then rip them up like that if you can get the bait in the right depth right now the smallmouth are absolutely jumping all over it terry you know and blade baits you mentioned you might lose a few they're not an expensive bait but yet and a lot of fishermen shy away they look at it and they think well why would a fish eat that but they fall in that same category as jigging spoons and even the jigging uh, rap laws, the Johnny Darter, and those kind of things. And they just are a reaction bait. The fish hit year-round, but when the water's cold, they really come into their own. Yeah, absolutely. And these fish that we're catching, Terry, are absolutely gorging on the smelt. Every single one of these smallmouths that we're pulling up looks like they're about to explode. Uh, you know, fish that earlier in the year might have weighed a pound and three quarters. We've been weighing a few of them, and they're they're two and a quarters. They're two pound fish, so they're all really really fat and full of smelt. They're spitting them up right now. Um, you know, if you get in around that kind of stuff and you think that you're going to feed these fish, you think that you're going to approach them with a a real subtle presentation, something moving real slow, you're going to struggle a lot of times, Terry. It's definitely about getting these fish to react something and that blade bait does such a good job of it terry it, it does a good job in a, in, in a small area which is kind of important you know crank baits jerk baits things like that can cover the water column cover in distance and they'll trigger strikes in larger areas but you really need to get something down there that you can work in that real small window just in that two feet right above the surface or i mean right below right above the bottom of, of, of what you're fishing you know just right there uh, you don't want to be out of there terry you know if you're ripping it six feet up off the bottom you're not getting the bites if you're if you're if you're covering too much water too fast you're not getting the bites so that blade bait will trigger those reaction strikes but allows you to do it in a real small concentrated area Terry. i agree completely hey we got about two minutes left i want to switch gears on you ronnie we're doing some special things at ISE. you're a presenter there i believe you're going to be in the experts corner but you're also going to be doing some seminars and on we're tell me about the two you're doing a different seminar on thursday than you are on friday tell me about the two all right well you're close terry but i'm actually going to be there on friday and saturday okay, so friday, those are the saturday, days that right, i'm going to okay. be there on friday terry i'm doing covering water with confidence so i'll be on the tank on friday i think i'm on at 12:30 uh that day um 
water with confidence, Terry. We're going to talk about ways to get out there and, and cover water and what we're looking for when we're covering water, the presentations that are really lend themselves to covering a lot of water, covering different depths in the water column, how I go about running around a, a body of water, something like horse tooth, and how I'm going to cover the water. I'm not just going to pick giant stretches of bank and fish the whole, the whole stretch. I'm going to key in on particular things. You know, I'm going to look for transitions. I'm going to look for points. How I'm going to run around and how I'm going to fish different types of structures so that I'm not fishing the same stuff all around the lake but i'm kind of going around and fishing all the different sorts of structure and then trying to develop a pattern so covering water with confidence is what we're going to talk about on friday and then on saturday i'm on the take at the same time terry i'm on 12 30 on saturday as well that day i'm going to be talking about uh fishing in and around heavy cover and weeds terry so the, the presentation is called weeding them out and I'm, I'm going to go over you know my favorite presentations when i'm when i'm faced with a lake like boyd when it's all the way full and the aquatic vegetation has grown in really, really thick, Terry. Um, you know, that's something I definitely see that people that have grown up in Colorado and fished in Colorado their whole life, they struggle with that, Terry, because they're not real adapted fishing in around that heavy grass, some of those some of those aquatic mats and things like that that grow into lakes like Boyd and some of the other lakes out on the eastern plains. Uh, we're going to talk about those presentations and how to go about it because it's definitely something we see. It's something that frustrates people uh, to no end, especially on Boy, the middle of summer, but uh, you know, it, it, all the time, Terry, we come off the lake and we talk to people. When your people say, you know, I had a horrible day, I couldn't keep my lures clean, uh, the grass was on everything all day long, I didn't catch any fish. What did you guys do? They asked us. Well, you know, we went right into the middle of that grass and we pit, picked it apart. We flipped it. We pitched it. We threw spinner baits in around the edges. We worked buzz baits over the top of it, frogs, things like that, Terry. That's what I'm going to be talking about on Saturday. All right, my friend, we are out of time, but um, you have a great. Great Christmas. Hopefully we'll see you before Christmas, but you have a great, great Christmas, and we will talk to you on the air again after the around the first of the year, I think. So we'll talk to you then, Ronnie. All right, buddy. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Ronnie Castiglione, great resource for the show. Um, we're going to wrap things up today, but don't forget, we're talking a lot of ISE, but we're going to give you a lot of tips on what's going on out there so you can get out too. We're not going to get away from that, but the ISE is important to us, and we're going to be doing a lot of different things. We're going to give away tickets on this show right through ISC. We're going to give away chances to win a gear bag worth uh, $375. And we're going to tell you how you can register for Chad's big tackle package that's worth like $1,700. And I'll have to verify that amount. We will be posting a lot on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and we may put some trivia up there. So you might take a trivia question to win some tickets. We'll be posting, how do you sign up for Chad's package? Where do you pick it up? Are we giving away tickets? What are we giving away? How can you sign up for the gear bag? All that is going to be posted. Plus, if I can get out in the water and not have the wind blow me across the lake, then I'm going to give you some fishing updates that I personally did. So we got a lot of ground. So follow us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook and tune in every Saturday from 9 to 11 right here. As we leave, I want to wish everybody out there the happy, safe, Merry Christmas. I want to thank Kyle for helping me get to the holidays without screwing up the new phone system too well. Thank and, you guys so and Merry much. Christmas to him and, of course, Karen for keeping me uh, pretending like I know what I'm doing on this show. And I'll be wishing her a Merry Christmas in person later. But Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's to everybody out there. Stay with us. We'll keep you, we'll keep you informed and follow us and come see us at the ISE show and enjoy your holidays. Get out, take a kid fishing, and we'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour on 1043 The Fan. Had to stop for the night.